Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here. Man, we're in the throes of summer now, aren't we? Like, uh, camp is going, and we had a great week at senior high out there, and, and now we've got preteen one coming up today, which is going to be a zoo. It is full which is awesome, so that's cool. The weather even kind of caught up to us a little bit there. We're finally experiencing some summer temperatures Friday and Saturday. I chose Friday to put a tin roof on my shed and the sun was out, so I was baking from both sides. Me and my chicken white legs, not a good idea. Anyway, that's good. We had our first camp speaker speak to us last week. Next week, we're going to have our next camp speaker. Ken Moser's going to be here. He's going to be speaking to us. After that, we've got Jaden Bames going to be speaking to us again. Yeah, let's hear it for Jaden. That's awesome. That'll take us through to the end of July. And then in August, we're going to dive into a, a, a series called Fake News, where we're going to be looking at some things that we sometimes believe, but that aren't really true. And uh, doesn't actually have anything to do with Donald Trump. So plan to be here for that. Today, we're going to be looking at finding meaning and purpose in our lives. And I can tell already, just quickly looking out, surveying all of you out there, some of you are are concerned that we've missed the mark. Wait for it. Missed the mark. 22 weeks in the Gospel of Mark and we're not there anymore. Okay, all right. Gord actually gave me that joke, so if you didn't like it, blame him. I actually, I thought it was awesome, but anyways, okay. So it's true. Uh, we, are, we are finished with the Gospel of Mark series, and last week, if you missed it, um, you've really, really got to go back and check it out online. Cody Matchett uh, did just an excellent job of bringing the gospel to a close as we finish that off. And um, I, it's, it's more than worth the time and energy to go and find it and take the time to listen to what uh, Cody had to say. So I'd, I'd encourage you, make sure that you do that. This morning, though, rather than just leaving the gospel of Mark behind, which I hope that we won't do, I want to look at where we go from now, if you will. Having finished the gospel of Mark, What's next? And throughout the Gospel of Mark, you'll recall, you'll remember, that Mark calls his audience, his readers then and us today, all the same. He calls us for a decision on who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus? And Mark contends right from the very beginning that Jesus is the Son of God. And it likely comes as no surprise then that I would agree with Mark that I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and that we as a church agree and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So I'm going to carry on this morning with that 
as our basis. I'm going to carry on as though we have all made that decisions and appropriated that decision for ourselves. And if you haven't, that's fine. Like We're happy that you're here. Continue to listen because we're going to keep building on that and driving it back and hopefully it will come into focus for you as well. So we're going to build on this idea that Jesus is the Son of God. That God exists and that He has been from before time till this very point in time, he's been working to make himself known to us. And as we've seen in the Gospel of Mark, most dramatically, most definitively, most comprehensively, in the gift to us of his Son, Jesus Christ, who entered creation and became a part of our world so that we would understand our need of his work on the cross, our problem of sin, so that we could place our faith in Him and then be restored into relationship with God after sin has severed us from that relationship. So we're going to carry on from there. And if this is indeed the case, if it is true that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then it should matter to you and I very much what Jesus has to say to us today. I'm alarmed at how often it seems that we can make this faith statement that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and that we can claim allegiance to Him, that we believe in Him, that we subscribe to Him, but then on the other hand, at the very same time, either not know what He has to say and or that we can dismiss what he does say in favor of our own opinions and our own values and our own wisdom. If God is who we say he is, then it would make sense that we would follow what he has to say. That we would pay attention to that and that we would then submit to that and that we would then subscribe and participate in that. This morning, with the Gospel of Mark still fresh in our minds, I want to go back to three areas that Jesus speaks to and that he points us to that bring meaning to our lives as we go forward from here. We think of Mark and we see in Mark what we've been saved from. We've been saved from our sin. But at the same time as we look at Mark, if we're paying attention, we'll also find what we're saved to. What we're called to now as followers of Jesus Christ. So I want to look at that today. I think as we look around at our society today, we see people scrambling everywhere to find meaning and purpose for their lives. Don't we? Do you recognize that? Do you see that? Do you recognize that in yourself? I think a significant part of our problem comes as a result of us having lost a sense of our identity. Maybe not even just a sense, maybe complete sense of our identity. We don't know who we are anymore. 
what's more, we don't know who we're created to be. And we're scrambling, trying to establish those things for ourselves. And as we see that happening in our culture, in our world, sometimes even in our own lives, I think if we're honest, we can say that it's failing miserably. So at some point, we're going to have to take a look at that. And I trust that we'll get a chance to do that as a church soon. But there's another part to the problem. And that's where I want to look at what, that's what, the part that I want to look at today. It's that we don't know where we're going. We don't know where to focus ourselves. We don't know what our priorities should be. Where we should spend our time. And so bridging out of Mark, from what Jesus has to say, we're going to take a look at that today. Let's pray though before we dive in. Father, this morning again, I commit this time to you now. These next minutes. God, would they be more than just mere minutes? Would they be a point, a time when you come and that you meet us? Where you would break through our barriers, where you would break through our preconceptions, our stereotypes, our notions that impede us from seeing and engaging with you. Speak to our hearts. Open our eyes. By your Spirit, strive with us this morning. Convince us, convict us, change us. So that we might know you, so that we might have purpose and meaning and fulfillment in life. And I pray these things now all by way of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for his sake alone. Amen. Okay, this isn't exhaustive this morning. Far from it. But I want to look at three categories where we can find meaning and purpose in our lives. The first is faith, the second is love, and the third is an eternal perspective. We're going to look at these categories categorically, we're not going to have time to dive in and mine too deep in them because each one of them is a, is a plethora of, of information and, and depth and, and so on that we could, we could mine for ages. So we're going to look at them categorically. My hope is, is that if you aren't already, that you'll take these categories, that you'll go home and you'll start to mine them for yourselves, that you'll start to pursue them in a different way today and that as you do, that you will see that what Jesus proposes for us is true that you will find that fulfillment and that meaning in your own lives. So we're going to begin with faith, number one, faith. We find purpose and meaning as we explore and develop our faith. Now, you'll remember a few weeks ago, a scribe came to Jesus in the temple and asked him, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And Christ replies in Mark 12, verse 30, he begins his reply with this. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This morning, as we're looking for meaning and purpose in our lives, we need to start with God. And this point is the epicenter 
of what God is calling us to and where we will find meaning and purpose. God is at the epicenter of all things. He is the creator. He is the one that has built this whole paradigm, including you and I. And he has a purpose and an objective in mind in having done it. And so as a result of that, we need to understand that our true meaning and purpose rests in God. It doesn't come from you and I as individuals. We can't concoct it. We can't build it ourselves and find it to be true. There won't be what we're looking for as long as you and I are trying to create it on our own. We have to subscribe to God and pursue Him. And as we do then, we will find what we're looking for. As we place our trust in Jesus, we begin, as we begin to know Him and understand Him, and what's more, as we begin to do what He says, then we will begin to find meaning and purpose. Conversely, if we don't have faith in God this morning, or if we don't pursue our faith in God, we will be set apart from Him and our true purpose will be missed. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. In order to please God, we have to believe in Him and come to Him and start there, but not end there. Start there, but not end there. Because the verse continues, the writer carries on, and he says, And he that rewards those, and he, sorry, believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seeks him. So it's not good enough to just believe in God. God's calling us to seek him, to pursue him, and that as we do, then he will reward us and we will start to find the things in life that ring our bell. Now, I just want to underline again for you, as I remind myself regularly, the content of my beliefs is in my actions. The content of my beliefs is in our actions. Which is to say that if I say I believe something, then I need to be doing something that backs that up, that typifies it, that demonstrates it to be true. And that's what God is looking for. He doesn't want us to just say, I believe. He wants us to pursue Him today. He wants to pursue us to pursue that relationship, our faith, in such a way as that we come to know Him and understand Him and grow in Him and as He then can speak into our lives and grow us into the people that He wants us to be. And as we do that, He says that He will reward us. John 10.10 says it this way. The thief comes, this is Jesus speaking again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Christ's purpose for us today is to reward us with a life to the full and overflowing. So as we pursue Him, that's what we can expect. That's where we'll find what we're looking for. 
Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, are you like me this morning? Are you a little bit skeptical? I hear that, I hear that verse. And for me, I say, well, that, that's a little bit too much like a circular argument for my comfort. That's, that's like me saying, hey, what I want you to know is, I, what I want you to do is I want you to get to know me. Get to know Doug. Get to know what I'm all about. Get to know what I like what I don't like, what I want to do, etc. And then as you do that, and as you subscribe to that, and as you participate along with me, I'll give you the desires of your heart, because it's working for me. And so I tend to want to, to dismiss this. But what's going on here is actually true. I'm dismissing something that's true in favor of my own wisdom. Listen to what Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. The fact is, is that as we come to Christ, and as we place our faith in him we're working from a whole new perspective we have a different trajectory in life a new purpose a new axiom at work and that as I hold on to the old things I miss out on this new I'm not able to fully realize it I don't understand the potential within it I'm, it's, it's missed I'm, it's over me it's passing me by and the fact is, is that as I subscribe to God and as I grow my faith in Him, then the things that I delight in the Lord will be the desires of my heart and they will ring true. They will connect to us on a whole new level. A level that doesn't work with the old, that is gone, that is passé. We are new and we are called to continue to grow to be like Jesus more every day. Now, again, are you like me? Another problem that we face in this is that we don't take the time to find out who Jesus is, what he's all about, let alone pursue those things. So as a result, this escapes us again, goes over our heads we're missing it. And as a result of that, our faith gets stale. It lacks substance. It's not real. It's not tangible. And we begin to get caught in these things that the world tries to tell us is where we'll find our purpose, where we'll find our meaning. We need to take the time. We need to set it as a priority to get to know God. And to pursue Him. And then watch as we find those things that we're looking for. We, we can't allow our faith to end at the end of the Gospel of Mark. With our faith is merely fire insurance. Where we understand that we've been saved from our sin. And then we take this lifelong hiatus between then and heaven. 
Knowing that someday that's going to work out for me. Got that base covered. And in the meantime, I'll just go back to doing the things that I see around me that people are doing. Or the things that I think are going to pay dividends. Which leads me to another problem. Sometimes, again, we look at this idea of pursuing our faith in God and we think to ourselves, well, I don't see the dividend in that. It's not tangible enough for me. It's not real enough for me. Because we keep looking at the things that we can see. We'll get to that in a moment. We have trouble buying in because we don't see an immediate payday. Right? Do you recognize that in your world? Like I do in mine? Where instead of time with God, time in my Bible, time reading, time praying and pursuing Him, I'm pursuing other things. But here, here again, we can see God's goodness to us. His benevolence to us. Because He doesn't just say, here's the deal, kids, this is what you do. He actually speaks into our world from the other perspective as well. He allows for us, He provides for us to make an informed decision and choice. Painstakingly, God sets us up with the information that we need to be able to make the evaluation. Look at what Solomon has to say for us in the book of Ecclesiastes. For those of you that aren't familiar with the book of Ecclesiastes, Basically, what it is, is a treatise by Solomon on having pursued everything in life and finding it meaningless. He finds it meaningless. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2 says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Now, not that Solomon is saying that everything in, on earth, everything in our world is devoid of value. Not at all. But what he's saying is that under the sun, without God, these things aren't going to amount to what we're hoping they will. That they're going to leave us hollow and empty inside. They will fail, even at their very best. If we pursue them to their very end, as high as they'll take us, at their very best, It's not going to cut it. They're not going to deliver. From here, Solomon goes on through the book to outline a number of different ways, about ten or so. Ways that he pursued the significant things as he saw them in life. Trying to establish whether there was any credibility to them, any substance, any merit. Starting in chapter 2, first 11 verses give us kind of a summary of how he proceeded, what he was trying to accomplish. So listen to him as he says this. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Pleasure was no good. Laughter, I said, is madness. What does good pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. He didn't check out. He was using his head in this. 
I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Scripture tells us that Solomon was the wisest man to have lived and that will ever live. And we also know that even in today's standards, by today's means, he would still rank, if not the highest, as one of the very wealthiest men ever. So it's not that he didn't have the resources to pursue all that he was doing. So he was the wisest, and he had the capacity to pursue them. And it all amounted to nothing in his estimation. We're funny, aren't we? We read this, and we largely can dismiss it because we think that we're going to be different. That somehow, that for you and I, that this will make sense, that we'll be able to find what we're looking for in all of these things. And that when I get there, that I'll be fine. That we can continue, even though it didn't work for Solomon. Even though, on the other side, God's telling us that it doesn't make any sense. That somehow, we can make it work for ourselves. That we can chase after these things. And then it's going to make all the difference for us. You know, I went golfing with a buddy to Vegas. Fran actually gave it to me as a Christmas gift. It's, it's actually, it's really kind of cool. It's sort of a gift to herself as well because it gets me out of the house for a few days. So, we went to Vegas and I don't know what to tell you about Vegas. I, I came back and I said to Fran, I want to take you and I don't want you to go all at the same time. It, 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 it's a fascinating case study. For those of you that haven't been there, um, it, it's mind-boggling. On one side, you see the, the creativity of man and, and his capacity and and so on and so forth, and it's just awesome. And on the other side, you see the complete debauchery. And our depravity all at once, right in front of you. And you, and you, you think to yourself, this is amazing. And at the same time, you think to yourself, this is so sad because I couldn't help but see myself in so many things. Anyways, the long and the short of it was we were staying at the Venetian, which is, I don't know if you've been there, like, I mean, it's a 
bananas. It's just it's mind-boggling, this hotel. It's huge, and, and, and the opulence is just crazy. And anybody who tries to tell you the gambling pays, I want to show you who it pays. It isn't you and me. It is, it is crazy. And anyways, we're, and so if you've been there, you'll know, and for those of you that haven't been there, whenever you go to do something in Vegas, you have to go through a casino. I think it's a law. Um, and so we would, in, coming in and out of this place to go golfing, we would walk through the casino. And, and I was freaked out at the casino and, and completely just enamored with it all at the same time. It was this, just this wild case study on, on, on people. And, and, um, and, like, I mean, I was freaked out. Like, I would have been broke by the time I figured out how to play the first slot machine. Like, I mean, when do you push the button? When do you not push the button? Like, I mean, it's, oh, so I just stand back and I would watch everybody else, you know, try and figure out by watching them, live vicariously. But one day as I was standing there, as we were on our way out, I looked and, and, and there's this guy that's playing a slot machine over here. And he, and he, wasn't, like, he wasn't a street person, but it's clear that, you know, he wasn't living the life. He needed a change of clothes, and his hair was unkempt, and, and so on and so forth. And, and he's just working that machine for all it is worth. And probably not even 20 feet away is a guy sitting at a table. And, and this dude's obviously balling. Like, he's got a Rolex on, and he's dressed. Like, all the name brands. Like, I mean... The name brands that you and I don't even know that are name brands, that, in that level, right? And I'm thinking to myself, if I could just introduce these guys, I, like, I mean, I don't know what the deal was, but I couldn't help but think that this guy over here playing these machines wants what this guy has somehow already got. He's looking for the payday, and this guy has obviously had more than one. And yet here he is too, back looking for another one looking for something more, looking for the thrill maybe. And I'm thinking, you guys should talk. Because it seemed clear to me that they're both there from opposite ends. And one could inform the other, dude, this, this isn't going to help you. This isn't, this isn't the answer. I'm back here too. As we pursue our faith, and as we forfeit and forego the things of this world, we will begin to find meaning and fulfillment and purpose from God. We have to pursue our faith. Number two, we have to pursue love. The second verse, Mark 12, 31, the second half of the answer Jesus gives to the scribe on what's important, the most important commandment. The second is like, is this, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And he, and he pulls them together. This morning, again, to love God means that we have to love others. That we have to be operating from the perspective of love in all that we do. Which is to say in that regard that motives matter. Even when we're doing the right things, if we're not doing it the right way, it doesn't add up. It doesn't cut it. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have 
a faith that can move mountains. But do not have love, I am nothing. Church family, as followers of Jesus Christ today, we are called to be agents of love in this world. We are saved now to be agents of love at work in creation, redeeming it alongside of God, back to what God intended for it in the, per- in the first place. That's our calling. That's our reason for living, our raison d'etre is to go out and love this world. Guys, I'm not talking about wearing pink and drawing hearts. I'm talking about standing in the gap for people, stepping in where people are being abused and oppressed, stepping out of our lives into someone else's life in order to make them better, even at our own expense. There's nothing more manly, guys, There's nothing more important. There's nothing more significant. There's probably nothing more hard. Girls, same for you. That's what we're called to do. We're to be agents of love in this world. Love informs what we do and it informs how we do it. In so being, then it also informs what we do not do and how we do not do it. And as we go out, and as we fulfill the call on our lives to join with God in redeeming this world by exercising love, then we will find purpose and meaning. Mark my words. Don't mark my words. Never mark Doug's words. Mark Jesus' words. Number three. We'll find purpose and meaning in an eternal perspective. Mark 8, verses 31 to 33. Jesus here, teaching his disciples. You'll remember this. Then he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed after three, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus says for us in Mark that we need to be concerned about godly things, not earthly things. And therein, that's where we'll find purpose and meaning. It's backed up throughout Scripture in other areas. Listen to these Scriptures. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We want to look at what we can see. We want to chase what we can see. But it's temporary. God calls us to look to what's eternal. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. 
For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And then Philippians 3, verses 17 to 20. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have... Uh, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. Man, I identify with that buddy Paul. He's a man. I like that guy. Okay, anyways. <laughs> and I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Present tense. Not future tense. Our citizenship is not will be in heaven our citizenship is now in heaven. And as a result of that, then we have to start to become the citizens now. We're to be citizens of heaven now, not when we get there. In Christ, we're already there. Our eternity with Him is secure. We're living our eternity now, and He's calling us to understand and shift our focus to eternity for the sake of Christ and for the sake of those that don't know Him yet and for the purpose of finding our purpose and our value in Him. As we focus ourselves to be about the things that Jesus is about and more importantly as we commit ourselves to being about the things that Jesus is about, we will find the meaning and purpose in our lives and as we do those things, as we focus on Christ's perspective and the good works that He calls us to, they will resonate with us intrinsically. Why? Solomon tells us again, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. He has made everything, Jesus, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. There is something in our hearts that resonate with what is eternal. It's the way we're built. It's the way that we're to operate. And it will resonate. It will ring for us when we commit ourselves and when we pursue those things. Because that's the way God designed us. That's the way that we're wired to be. But to find that out, to hear that bell ring in your life, we've got to get at it. We've got to get busy. And we've got to commit ourselves and go. I said at the beginning that I'm going to be operating from the perspective of those that have made the decision that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But perhaps you're here today and you haven't come to that point. But maybe here, even right now, God is speaking to you. And this is resonating with you. Because you've done what Solomon has done. You've been pursuing material possessions. You've been pursuing pleasure. You've been pursuing relationships. And you're finding them lacking. You're finding yourself wanting more. That they haven't satisfied you like you thought that they would. It's because 
God's written eternity on your heart and He's calling you. He wants you to come to Him so that He can give you purpose, meaning, fulfillment, perspective in life. Will you come? Will you come to Christ? Will you make that decision? If you would, come and talk to us. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to one of the other staff. Talk to your camp counselors. Make that decision. Augustine said it this way, you have made for us, sorry, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they can find peace in you. You won't be satisfied until you find God. You'll never be satisfied like you will be when you find God. Let's pray. Father, this morning again, by your Spirit now, Go with us. Take us now from this place and move us forward in our faith. Help us to be your agents of love. Give us an eternal perspective, Lord. And as we do, as we participate alongside you, fill us with purpose and meaning and fulfillment that would just in turn make us that much more committed to you. For I ask these things now in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. Um, hey, we're not quite done. I'm sorry, we're a little bit late, but I want to do something really cool. I'm going to ask if Lynn Namier and Nancy, is, Lynn, is Nancy still here, Lynn? Yes. Come. We've, got, we've got an opportunity to do something really cool today, and man, I'm, I'm excited that we get to do this a little bit regularly as a church. Um, Lynn and Nancy and some others are heading out on Friday to Malawi with hands at work and then actually Lynn and, and another Carmen are going to head on to Congo after that. And so we've got this team going. We want, we want to commission them today, but just before we do that, Lynn's going to tell you just a little bit about what they're going to be up to. Sure. Um, hands at work, you may have heard. Um, Kenton, Jeff, and Dell just got back not too long ago from going with hands at work. Um, they're an organization that works in eight African countries with the most vulnerable orphans and widows. Um, if you have a ladder, and as we climb the ladder, these are the people that don't even make it to the first rung of the ladder. They would not survive without the meal a day that Hands at Work provides. There's volunteers in Africa. The African church is working to meet the needs of their orphans and widows. Those people are called care, care workers, and they volunteer every day to look after um, the orphans especially. So the center we're going to feeds 200 orphans a day. The care workers come and make a meal. They love the children. They walk them home. They make sure that they're protected. They share the love of Jesus with them. Um, unfortunately, these care workers are looked down on in society. They're not pursuing their own interests. They actually um, have that eternal perspective that Doug just talked about. And one of our roles is just to go over and share the love of the Canadian church with them to let them know they're not alone in this journey to bring back their stories and share them back with you when we get back. So our role is to walk those dusty paths of Malawi and Congo um, with the care workers to sit in the homes on the floors of the orphans and just to let them know that they're not forgotten and that they're loved. Um, and so as we go, um, we have um, Kim and Nikki Crockett. We have Carol Newfeld. We have Nancy and myself and a lady that used to teach in Lloyd. She now teaches in Red Deer Carmen. 
Um, and we're going as a team of six this Friday. And then Carmen and I are just popping into Congo for, for a week um, to do the same, same thing there. And so we just ask for you to pray for our safety and our health that just our hearts will show that eternal perspective and love them. And I know we always come back more blessed than we can even start to bless them. Just to let them know that the Christians back in Canada are thinking of them and supporting them. And we also have two people on our team that have allergies, nut allergies. And um, usually that's not a big deal, but when you're not near a hospital and their main source of cooking is peanut oil... That's a big deal to us. So please just cover them with your prayers because um, as a leader of this team, I know God is in charge, but I do just really want to make sure that they're safe in this, this journey too. So um, thanks for remembering us when we're gone. Thanks, Lynn. Um, yeah, so starting today, but especially starting Friday, uh, on your list of things to be praying for, be praying for camp. Keep praying for your three people that don't know Christ yet and be praying for the Malawi team that God will use them. And we're going to do that right now. We're going to just ask God to bless them and be with them as they go. So if you'd join with me in prayer, let's pray. Father, thank you for each one of these people that have heard from you, that are following and pursuing you in their faith. God, I pray that you will meet them now in this trip, that you will expand and grow them in their faith, that they will know you far better for having gone and for being a part of this as they participate alongside you in this, in this trip. I pray that you would also expand the faith of those that they go to see, that you would be with them, that this would be of encouragement to them and answer to prayer in many respects, that they will see and understand you better by virtue of this crew coming over. Be with them as they love. Give them the capacity, the wisdom, the insight, the ability to be your agents of love there and help them again to communicate and demonstrate and, and just uh, envision for these people an eternal perspective. Grow them in that as well. Go before them, watch over them, guard and protect them. Give them journeying mercies as they travel, safety as they participate and as they work there, and a safe trip back home. Lord, and we look forward to hearing from them when they get back, that you would grow us even through them as we participate through prayer and then through hearing about what you're at work around the world. So we commission them. We ask for your blessing upon them. And we pray these things now in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, guys. We'll see you sometime out at camp. Don't forget about chapel. And if not, we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here.